Would you uh, take your Bibles and go to James chapter 5? We're following along. I'm just uh, following along in the book of James. I felt like the Lord just put the book of James on my heart when COVID-19, the whole pandemic, epidemic thing kind of hit us all, and we were all getting uh, used to just a different way of life. And I felt like there were so many key truths found within the book of James that we could apply immediately to our lives Because how many of you remember that the book of James opens up by saying, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials, for for the trials that are coming into your life are for the testing of your faith. And we began to realize that this season that we've gone through as a a nation, as a people, even as a church, uh, the Lord has something bigger in it if we will stop for a moment and see what he's trying to do in our lives. And so as you're turning to James chapter 5, I just want to recognize some people. I haven't seen them uh, for a few years, and uh, they're here today. Jim and Sherry Grossman, come on over there. Uh, they're they're uh, long-standing uh, Western members of Zion Fellowship right over there. They live out west now, but uh, we're so glad that they're with us uh, celebrating. Come on, just turn around. The, the people right over here who know them, kind of wave at them and welcome them here. It's so good to have Jim and Sherry with us once again. But you know, the book of James is just this powerful book where James is confronting our hearts. He's talking to a group of believers, and I'll say this over and over again because I want us to get this. He's talking to a group of believers that are not being treated fairly, they're under incredible pressure, persecution. Some of them are losing their jobs. They have no income source. They're going through all kinds of things in their lives. And James begins to talk to them about the serious issues of the human heart. And he's like, you can either retreat and start complaining and and start trying to navigate this yourself, or you can realize in the midst of what you're going through that God is working something deep and rich in your life. And that's the whole book of James is like that. And it mirrors, I believe, the book of James mirrors the Sermon on the Mount. And so here's the, the brother of Jesus mirroring or mimicking or repeating almost what he heard his brother Jesus talk about before his death, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And so it's interesting, the portion of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, James chapter 5, it probably has the strongest warning in the book of James. And it's interesting that we're here today because last weekend, if you'll remember, we had the hot dog man here, Alan, and he came and uh, at no expense just served us hot dogs and hamburgers, and all of the money that was given for that went to a ministry that we partner with, Rescuing Lives, uh, under the directorship of J. Paul and Sarah Papabatini, to work overseas in liberating and freeing up women and children who are being trafficked. And so last week, he just said, I want all of the proceeds to go towards that ministry. And so it's interesting that we're going to be talking about what James is talking about in John chapter 5 after such generosity was shown here last week. There was over $1,900 raised last week to support through hot dogs and hamburgers. Hot dogs and hamburgers and soda pop and lemonade. Over $1,900 went to a ministry that is doing a vital work right now. 
all throughout the world. But James is going to get right in our face, and he's going to talk about money. And how many of you know that the Bible talks about money all the time? And so get ready, because it's going to uh, challenge us a little bit. We're going to look at the text this morning. And most of you, as I begin to read the text, most of you are going to begin to check out of this text because you say, well, this is a portion of Scripture that really doesn't apply to me. Let me tell you, let me show you what I mean. He begins by saying, come now, you rich. Now, all of us out here are already checking out. We're already checking out because we're saying, well, I'm not rich. So I guess I, guess I can take this morning's sermon off. Well, I'm, I'm asking you not to do that. I'm asking you, as I read and as I talk to you about what I believe James is saying to this group of believers, that you begin to ask yourself this question, is this verse... Are these verses talking about me? Is there something here that I need to see? Is there something here this morning that I need to hear? He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. It's a good way to start a sermon, don't you think? He says, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded. And their corrosion will be witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. How many of you feeling edified? You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Let me dig into this with you this morning, because some of us need to stop for a moment, and as in your face, as those verses of Scripture, and they're just the ones that came up, I am preaching through the book of James, God knows what he's doing, he is addressing the rich here, and he's actually not just speaking to the wealthy within the church, but he's actually speaking to a group of believers that are going through a very difficult time, and he's actually using the rich almost as an illustration of saying, here's what the wealthy in the world are going after, and they don't realize that none of that is going to stretch into eternity. They don't realize that none of it is going to be something that they can take with them. Therefore, not, he doesn't say it, but he's basically suggesting don't be envious because you're going through tough times. Don't be jealous of those who have and don't see yourself as a have not. He says because the humble and the righteous will prevail. So what do these words 
actually say and how are we going to apply them into our lives right now? Let me make sure that you just stop for a moment and say, God, is any of this talking to me? Because it's all framed within the context of Christ's return. And I think the challenge that I want you to embrace today is how are you handling your wealth? You may not see yourself as rich. You may not even feel like you're rich. You may, when you think of rich people, think of people like Bill Gates, and you're like, well, if I compare myself with Bill Gates, I got nothing. And so there's a tendency sometimes in us that when we read a scripture like this, we just, we just read over it, we check out, and we don't look to see if there's any application in our life. Let me say something to you because I've traveled around the world. If you make, listen to me, $25,000 a year or more, do you realize that you are amongst the wealthiest people on the face of the earth? You're in a two percentile of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. $25,000 a year or more. That's by global standards. So I want you to stop for a moment. And I want those of you who live in the United States to just stop and be glad and grateful to the Lord that you live in the land that you live in. So with that comes a responsibility. How am I going to handle my wealth? How am I going to handle the resources that I have? And some of you are sitting right now and you're saying, Chris, you have no idea. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm just meeting my bills. I'm just making it. That's not the issue is an issue of stewardship, but even more than that, it's an issue of does wealth have your heart or are you managing the wealth that's been entrusted to you? That's what James is after as he talks to us today. So all of you just relax. At the end of this, I'm not going to be taking an offering. You can all take a deep breath. That's not what this is about. But it's about some of the principles that we need to apply as we move forward in the hour in which we live. And I think you'll begin to understand what I'm talking about because with this pandemic and with all of the, all, uh, all of the volatility of the, the markets and all of this, some of us have seen measures of wealth just go away from us, just in a moment of time, just the little savings that we had just went, it kind of evaporated over a day, and I know some of it's building back and all of that, but if, if, if riches have your heart, when something like that happens, whether it's on a global scale or a national scale, if you're not careful, those kind of issues can breed fear in our lives to the point where we start hoarding things that we shouldn't be hoarding or we start valuing things that we shouldn't be valuing. And that's what James is after here. He's saying, listen, you can look at the rich and you can see how they're treating people and you can see sometimes that they're not treating people well. But here's the point I want you to understand. And this is what James is saying to the early church. All of those riches that they have, all of that wealth that they've compiled, none of it is going with them. It's all going to rot. It's all going to rust. It's all going to fade away. And so his point, and I think the point of Jesus when Jesus taught about money, 
was this. Jesus and James and the Bible says, be careful because money is dangerous. Come on, just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you know, money is pretty dangerous. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not bad. It's dangerous. It's not a, now hear me, it's not a bad thing to have money. Don't misunderstand me today, you know? You know, like, like right here. I got a couple of $20 bills. <laughs> Somebody said, wow. I got a, they're, they're, now hear me. There's nothing intrinsically bad about these bills. There's nothing evil in them. Just because I have them doesn't mean that, that something evil is now about to possess my heart if I possess it. That's not what James is saying. He's saying money is dangerous because the human heart is deceptive. And if in your heart you play around with the dangers of money, and, and the Bible will say, and you end up loving it, you end up desiring it, you end up thinking, I can't live life without it. He says that's where it becomes dangerous. Why? Because your heart, my heart, is deceptive. And a love for money is deadly. And it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can deliver us from it. So that's kind of the simple outline. It's not only supported by the teachings of James, but it's also supported by the teachings of Jesus. So James is speaking into this church, and he says that money is dangerous, and because, because of money, he says, because of riches, because of wealth, misery is coming. He says riches are going to rot, garments are going to be moth-eaten, Gold and silver, they're going to erode. And he says, and yet, knowing that, you have laid up treasures for yourself on the earth in the last days. And so what James is accusing these people of, not the believers, but people who are treating believers this way, he's saying the reason why money is so dangerous and all of this is going to fall apart is because you're trusting in the wrong thing. Hear me this morning, and I know this is kind of a heavy, hard message, but don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in your wealth. Don't trust in what you have. Don't trust in material possessions. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel. Think about it. We're the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth, and yet we've been brought to our knees by a coronavirus that we can't even see with the natural eye. What does that say about riches? What does it say about earthly wealth? It, it can be gone in a moment of time. So why put your trust there? That's James's point. And that's what Jesus taught. He says, do not lay up treasures or do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, and this is the point that I'm driving home this morning, where your treasure is, who knows how to finish that verse? There your heart will be also. That's what James is saying to this group of believers. Where's your heart? 
And that's what I'm saying to us here this morning at this church service. Where's your heart? Listen, I saw your heart on display last week. The generosity that was shown last week in the $1,900 gift that was given to rescuing lives is just a testimony of your trust in the Lord to get you through. And James is agreeing with Jesus. He's saying to this group of believers, listen, where's your treasure? What do you treasure? I want you to stop for a moment and think about that. How do you handle your resources? How do you handle your wealth? How do you handle what has been entrusted to you? So first of all, Jesus' point, and I believe James's point, is to some extent, money and what we do with it and the measure at which we desire it reveals where our heart's at. More than what we say and even more than what we do, it reveals where our heart's at. See, because you can say stuff and you can, you can do stuff, but, but if I watch what happens with your wallet or your checkbook, I think that speaks louder than what you say or do. Where are you investing? Who are you investing in life? Your wallet informs you because your heart is deceitful about what you actually value. Do you value the kingdom of God? Do you value the things that God values? Or do you value the things that this earth values? See, I realized when the stock market blew up, and I have investment, and I'm not against investment, and I'm not against stewardship, and you're going to hear that later on in the message, okay? But here's, here's the thing that I realized in a moment of time when the bottom dropped out. It can all go away like that. So what do I value? See, we're pressing through the, we're pressing through unexpected times. How are we investing? What are we investing in? The second thing, after showing us what we really value and what we really love, James is saying, how are you going to use what you have? Because he says there's a group of people on the earth that will use the resources that they have to exploit others, to use others. He says, how are you going to be? You may feel exploited right now. He says, don't retaliate. Because God's in charge of all of that. And the reason why people will use resources and they'll manipulate and use people in the process of it is because they're trying to create some kind of a safety zone. They're trying to create some kind of a shield to buffer life's anxieties. And James's point is don't live that way. Don't try to, to buffer your anxieties today by getting more stuff or building bigger homes. Or, and I'm not against bigger homes. Just hear my heart this morning. He's saying you can compile everything on the face of the earth today that is available to you materialistically, and there's not anything necessarily wrong with that unless your heart is completely attached to it. Because if you think that's going to bring you safety, if you think that's going to alleviate the anxiety, if you think that's going to root out the fear in your heart, he says you're mistaken. The only thing that can secure your future, the only one who can hold you steady is what we were just singing about. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Son of God. That's his point, and that's the point of 
the verses that we're after today. My hope is that Christ has me, and he has you, and he will hold you steady and provide for you in the day of need. Don't let go of that. Don't sit fretting, oh, what's going to happen with the stock market? What's going to happen with my investments? What's going to, listen, be wise and be a good steward of what's entrusted to you. Absolutely. But don't hope in that. Hope in him. Amen? We need to be responsible. We need to be good stewards. But we need to do it in the context of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be a foolish steward. Take what's been entrusted to you and use it wisely, but hold on to it loosely. See, the whole basis of the gospel is rooted in the generosity of God, isn't it? See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you read Romans chapter 1, it says that all of us are guilty of something, and this is what we're guilty of. We would rather serve creation over the creator. We would rather be enthralled with the creature than the creator. We would rather be drawn to material things than eternal things. That's the deceptive nature of the human heart. That's what Romans 7 is talking about. And in a context where God could have just forgotten about us and said, have your stuff. Go ahead. Go after that stuff. Have it all. Instead, what did he do? He responded with incredible generosity. And this is what he did. He sent his one and only son to the earth. And he came and he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He absorbed God's wrath toward us who believe and has granted and imputed to us the very righteousness of Christ in order that we might obey him now in all things. The gospel in and of itself speaks of the generosity of God flowing out of the Godhead and it grants to us a new identity that serves as a buffer against all of the things that the culture wants to throw at us. And this is my point, your primary identity, my primary identity, those of us who are in Christ is that we are children of God, sons and daughters of God. That's the thing that has to hold you steady in unsteady times. That's the thing that has to hold you steady when unexpected pressures come your way. It's your identity of who you are in God. And that's what the gospel speaks to. See, this is what James is trying to drive home to this group of believers. And this is what the word of God wants to drive home to you and me today. Don't put your, don't put your hope in earthly riches. Don't put your hope in things that are just going to fade away and rot and rust and corrode. Put your hope in God. See, because this group of believers, they were fretting. And they were like, look at how they're treating us. And, and look at what we don't have. And look at what they have. And, and why do they have so much? And we don't have anything. And, and, and James is saying, you're looking at the wrong thing. I'll give you an illustration. Everything that they have, everything that they're flaunting, everything that they're pressurizing, it's all going to be gone someday. So don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in God. And the gospel is just this beautiful picture of God's generosity. He's saying, you could go after all of that stuff, but I'll still go after you. I'll still come after you. I'll still pursue you because you're precious to me. And when you get that message that Christ Jesus died for you, 
Because when God looked at you, he treasured you. He said, you're of value to me. And so I will show, I will demonstrate my generosity in the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of your silliness, in the midst of your disobedience. I will show my generosity to you by sending my son for you because there's a condition that you cannot take care of yourself and it's called the condition of sin. And you see, when you don't, when I don't deal with the issue of sin in our hearts, the thing that will happen is our hearts will direct us towards sinful activity. But God says, my generosity is this. I will send my son to resolve that issue in your heart if you will just put your hope and trust in him. Jesus came, and he died for your sin, and he died for mine. And on taking upon the wrath of God, think about that. The wrath of God was put on Jesus so that you and I could experience the righteousness and the beauty and the love of God in untold measure. And that's James's point, I believe, as he writes this. He says, your identity is that you are in Christ. Listen, don't let anybody define you by what you have or what you don't have. Don't let anybody say you're valuable because you have a big home or a good job or you're making a lot of money or you drive a shiny car. That's not who you are. That's just some stuff that you have and it's not going with you. That's not who you are. Don't let anybody define you by what you wear, the clothes you buy. Doesn't matter whether you're wearing a $70 shirt today or a $7 shirt today, you're gonna sweat through it. And at the end of the day, guess what? Doesn't matter whether it's a $70 shirt or a $7 shirt, your armpits are gonna be stained. And at some point, you're going to look at that expensive shirt and say, you know what, I don't need this anymore. You see, the point that I'm trying to drive home is that is not your identity. Your identity is who you are in God. See, God has decreed over your life. And he has invited you into a mission with him. Not only is it about you being saved, but it's about you grabbing on to the mission of God on the earth today and telling others of God's goodness and kindness and love. See, we've got to grab a hold of this dynamic where not only God saves you and redeems you and makes you new, but then he invites you into a partnership with him to make known on the earth today his glorious riches. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Amen. So here's, here's how I'm going to wrap this up. This is going to hurt a little bit, so just hold on. Hold on to your chair. Grab, grab the sides of your chair. You ready? Come on, grab your chairs. Grab your Bible. Grab your loved ones. Come on, get ready, get ready. How you spend your money is a gospel issue. 
Hear me clearly today. You do not need to feel guilty about having money or being blessed beyond what you deserve. I think I've established today that we're all blessed beyond what we deserve. Amen. So the worst thing that we could do as we're looking at this text today is try to apply some kind of a legalistic equation where if you spend so much on a new car or if you make so much, etc., that's not the issue. The issue that James is driving is an issue of the heart. The issue is about your heart. As believers, we are to be characterized as those who aren't attached to the things of the earth. And whatever we do have, we're using to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ on the earth today. It's simple, but it's complex. So would you stand to your feet as we close this morning and just listen to this? Can you be thankful for the grace of God that saved you? And then pray that that grace may reach all the way into your pocketbook. No, I mean that. I'm not trying to be funny. See, if, if, we're, if we're grateful for what God has done in saving us, then we'll realize that whatever I have is His. And at whatever level I've been blessed, I've been blessed at that level for a certain reason. So the grace that has touched my heart and changed me so dramatically, this is what I want to have happen. I want that grace to reach down into my pocketbook so I'm not motivated by fear or anxiety in my giving or my blessing of others, that I'm motivated by the grace of God so that whenever a need is before me, if I have the ability to meet that need, there'll be no hesitation in my heart to need to meet that need. And secondly, I will never use the resources that I've got to manipulate other people. Some of us here are bosses and some of us have oversight over other people. Don't ever allow your position of authority over other people to be used in a manipulative way. Let the grace of God so touch you that you're the kindest boss that they've ever had. You're the nicest person that they've ever encountered. Even when you give them assignments and it's up to them to finish that assignment, it's not that you lord it over them. There's something of the grace of God that is upon your life because God has shown grace to you. James's point is don't be like these who treat others this way. Now here's how you know if you need an, a heart adjustment. When you hear a sermon like this, if automatically you're thinking this way, well then what stuff can I have? Something's wrong. Because, because James says it this way. He says you ought to be longing for his return. You shouldn't be sitting around going, okay, as a Christian, what can I have then, Chris? And what can I have? How much can I have? No, he says... Instead, you should be living your life longing for his return. Whatever has been entrusted to you, you will use for his glory. So here we go. Hold lightly what you value greatly because it isn't yours anyway. It's not yours anyway. Everything you have, everything that I have is a gift from God. 
Come on, just look at your neighbor right now, your friends, a gift from God to you. Why abuse that relationship? Why misuse that relationship? People are a gift to us. Let's not abuse the relationships. Don't be afraid to let go of things and to bless others with what you have. The attitude that that Joan and I live with is we never really owned it anyway. It's all his, and it all belongs to him. So if you're tracking with me, just kind of wave at me so I know that you caught what I was saying today. It's just where James brought us this morning. We're just preaching through the book of James. And I think it's appropriate and applicable because right now we're living in a, in a day and in an hour where what we do with our finances is being challenged. Listen, I am not saying you shouldn't be a good steward. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be making wise investments. I'm not saying any of that. But hold on to any of it very lightly because it could be gone in a moment of time. And whatever you have, whatever has been entrusted to you, whatever is the result of your wise investments, realize that God gave you that wisdom. God gave you that insight for a reason. And the reason was not just to make you rich. Although there's nothing wrong with having a few dollars in your pocket, is there? Nothing wrong with it at all. But he's given you that resource. He's given you that money to advance his kingdom on the earth today. Not just giving in an offering plate, not just giving on special times when we have a ministry that we're going to support, but every day of our lives when we have opportunity to be a blessing to others. Let's be a blessing to others. Amen. Are you tracking with me? Amen. Father, I thank you for the word of God. And Lord, would you just help us right now? Come on, if you just want to join me and say, Lord, help me right now to put things in order in my house. I want my house to be in order. I want my heart to be in order because I know that my heart can be deceptively wicked, especially when it comes to riches, especially when it comes to money. And I don't want to be like the person that Jesus talks about, and I don't want to be like the person that James talks about. I want to be a person whose heart is completely yours. And as a result of a heart that's completely yours, I want to be used by you for your glory and for your honor. Jesus, help us as a group of believers to recognize the incredible opportunities that are before us. Help us not to be gripped with fear or anxiety because of what we see happening in the markets, what we see happening in real estate, what what we see happening all around us. Don't let fear grip our hearts. Let Let our value system be a kingdom value system. So that whatever we have, if we got a couple of 20s in our pocket, we hold it lightly because we recognize it's all yours anyway. Help us, Jesus, to be mature in this. Help us not to cave in to fear or anxiety at any level. And I ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, look at a neighbor, wave at them, encourage them in the Lord. If they've got a green sticker, give them a hug. If they've got a yellow sticker, give them a fist bump, elbow bump. We love you guys. We're so glad you came out this, this morning to this service. And we're going to close with a song of worship. You got something? How many of you want to close with worship? Amen. Let's do that.
Father, we thank you for your love over us, upon us. So, Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory today. Lord, may our lives be living examples of your grace and mercy upon our lives. Lord, may it be seen not only in the witness of our mouth and in our actions, but may it also be seen in our generosity to the needs that we see all around us. May our hearts be conducted by your grace, and may we respond to that grace in ways that releases blessings on the earth today. Father, everything that we have, we've received from you, and we're grateful for it. We are so thankful for not only the fact that you've saved us, but you are so, so good to us in so many different areas of our lives. We give you praise. We acknowledge that all we have is yours. And Lord, we ask that you teach us how to hold loosely those things of this earth and use them for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.